I asked your boy Big Frizz, man. I just did an interview with Real Life Street Stars, man. Tune in to it, man. Check it out, man. Follow them on all platforms, man. Some real guys. Much respect. Real life street stars, man. Let's go. I'll clap it up, man. We got a we got a real, real serious situation here, man. Uh we got the man of the hour, man, uh Big Fridge, man. Uh I wanna say, you know, they they locked you down and they threw away the key, man. Uh and you know, we're gonna go all the way through there. It was very unjust, but um first and foremost, I appreciate you pulling up on the platform. I appreciate you uh coming all the way from Tennessee uh, to touch down in Dallas and tell us this story. And, uh, you know, I know eyes are watching and, you know, people probably want to know more about your story and kind of what you're doing. And, of course, we're going to get to the before, the now, and then what's going to come next as far as after this. But for those that don't know, man, uh, you were sentenced to um, 17 years, man, for a nonviolent crime, man, um, uh, in a situation where you were a first-time felon. Um, and it was a matter of some people, you know, measure life by inches in a situation like that, but it's a matter of a few feet that changed from you getting possibly maybe three years to going to 17 years just based on where you were doing the said crime and uh, going from there. So um, I want to go all the way through there with you, man, uh, you know, kind of pick up on your story, uh, kind of go into that situation and, of course, how you came up out of it and how you got to sit right here right now um, because technically you weren't supposed to be free until 2023. So what, what what day what, like they give you a date? Yeah, May 2023. May 2023. You weren't supposed to even be out, but you was able to uh, ruffle some feathers and you know get that whole thing overturned and uh, you know now you sitting right here. Um, and it, this story is really gonna open up the eyes in America, man, because uh, you know it's these laws to me that are just kind of more so unjust. Not saying people should change laws, but every situation is different and it got to be looked at as that um circumstantial at times um there's snitches involved family friends turning on you wiretaps uh man we're gonna go all the way through that man but for those that don't know man tell them where you're from uh reintroduce yourself if you don't mind yeah, i'm big fridge i'm from uh nashville tennessee known as cashville uh 37 years old did 10 and a half years in prison uh, i was originally sent Sentenced to 17 years in prison for a drug-free school zone. In yeah. a drug-free school zone. Um, Nashville was uh, the area you grew up in. Um, and let's just start with your family. Right. Uh, did you grow up in the projects? Did you grew up in a house out in the country? Uh, were you inner city, outer city kid? I'm um, projects, man. Edge Project Hill projects, man. Southside Nashville. Edge Hill, man. Right. Um, you know, in the projects normally, you know. It's like a village, man. Everybody grow up with right. everybody. Family be right. everywhere. How many uh, brothers and sisters you have? Uh, mom and dad in your life? Yeah, mom and dad was in my life. Uh, two sisters and one brother. My brother deceased, though. Um, uh, from a violent crime or is it just? Yeah, he got killed when we were 14 years old. Oh, man, it's out of here. Yeah. Uh, were you the oldest, middle, youngest? Yeah, we by another. My uh, dad had him uh, by another woman, so we were both the same age. I was, I was a month older than him, actually. You mind talking about what happened with that? Yeah, he uh he got caught up in some robbery situation. He was only 14 years old, and uh it was an older guy was involved, and 
One thing led to another little while out they committed the crime, they robbed a judge or some a juvenile judge. And uh the guy eventually killed him. The um the guy that he was involved in the crime with, oh, charged wow. partner basically. Were they targeting the judge or it was a, they didn't know he was a judge? You know? I ain't sure. I ain't really sure. Man. Oh, man, that's wild. And you were 14 at the time as well? Yeah, I was 14 as well. How did you take that news uh, or just seeing, you know, kind of what took place? It, it the crazy part about it was, you know, my dad had just not got, like, the blood tested knowing that it was his child. So we never did just really get a lot of time around each other. So, you know, it, it was kind of fresh to me when it happened. Man. Definitely condolences in regards just for the situation sure. itself. But it does also show, um, man, you know, sometimes in these neighborhoods, you know, most people either they going to look to sports, right. uh, look to music, yeah. or look to, you know, get into that bag any way possible, which sometimes entail crimes and petty crimes or violent crimes. Right. Um, what side of the track were you, were you? Were you into sports? Were you uh, music? Or were you, like, influential enough to be like, man, I'm going to join one of these gangs or something and see what's up? Yeah. yeah, I was most definitely a star athlete in my city. Yeah, you know I mean, I was an all-state football player. Yeah, you know I mean, I excelled in sports from junior pro all the way up. Or uh, I was all mid-state, received a uh, few college offers, and ended up getting an athletic scholarship. What what position did you play? I played fullback and defensive tackle. Oh man, uh, what's the name of uh, the blind side? Right, right. Um, <laughs> were you uh, again? I know you said you were all-state. Yeah, all-state. That means you were damn good. Um, right. You know, Texas, we all about football out here. Right, yeah. I know um, that. Was that the out for you? Like, as far as, like, hey, I'm looking to go to possibly do this football thing, go to college, maybe go pro or whatever? Right. Most definitely was the out. You know, I mean, I put a lot of time and work into it, me and my father. And, you know, I was getting the results of it. Um, during that time of being in high school, I did join the Gangster Disciples, known as Growth and Development. So, you know, that's, that's kind of like, well, the story kind of get a little twisted. You know what I mean? Yeah. The changes come. Man, so activity. Let's talk about it, cause um, and right before we talk about it, the name Fridge uh, was that coming from football? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like my dad was a big fan of the Fridge from the Chicago Bears. You know, I was born in nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Yeah. So they won a Super Bowl in eighty five. So mm. you know, he had a friend to play with the Bears and introduced him to the Fridge. So he named me out the yeah football player. Shout out Refrigerator Perry, man. Uh, right. Legend. Legend. Yeah. Um. So you're saying you're in the sports, but at the same time you actually did join the Gangster Disciples. Yeah, uh, they they were in your neighborhood. They were um, where were they at? It Man, it was a time like in the early 2000s where they really hit hard. You know, yeah. uh, Crips hit hard in the neighborhood. Uh, GDs, and guys, it was like guys getting out of prison. See, yeah. Nashville usually be based upon like size. You from out east, out west, out north. So gangs really hit hard in my age category around the early 2000s. That's facts. Right. I ask this question because, and this is for you to answer, but there's always a different reason why a young man joins a gang. It's always right. not to either do something bad. It's just sometimes brotherhood. Sometimes I didn't have no, I didn't have brothers right. around me, so I'm right. you know I'm looking or just maybe it's peer pressure. My friends right. doing it, and fuck, I don't. Should I want to go? Should, where they going? What was it for you that made you say, um, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna I'm rock with this right here. What's crazy is in the beginning I was totally against it. And, you know, they, they, they came to me because I was known for being a good dude and enforcing the neighborhood, but I felt like I didn't need a game. But, you know, as time passed, you know, me being the thinker that I was, I seen how the neighborhood was changing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of dudes that was really weak, when they put on bandanas, they, they had different personalities. So, you know, before it got out of hand, you know, I, I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to join it and change it from within. Now, me being a 14, 15-year-old kid, 
I'm not looking at what's going on with this gang all around the country, a street organization or whatever it is. I just made the sacrifice to be a part of it where I could change my neighborhood for the greater good. Mm. When it comes to gang activity, right. um, what mostly did you see going on in your neighborhood? Like what mostly that did you see regarding the, the GDs? Well, the GDs, you know, known as growth and development, uh, what's kind of different about Tennessee at this time, you know, you know, you got the LA-based gangs with Crips and Bloods, you got the GDs and Vice Lords out of Chicago. Well, due to us not being a part of those cities, we had things like Crips and Bloods in the neighborhood, we had GDs in the neighborhood. So it was a lot of oppositions that normal people in those big cities wouldn't see because of that, that was where it originated, well, originated at. So we had like more oppositions around us. Uh, definitely. Um, so what I want to do is we're going to work around this story because right. um, I want to, I'm going to get to the meat and potatoes of this interview and then I'm going to go back and we're going to go forward and go all around. But I want to go up until, um, uh, you know, you're 22 years old. Um, right. Again, high school, uh, killing sports. You go off to college. Uh, what college you go to? Tennessee State University. Tennessee State University, the uh, the other TSU, yeah, uh, the other TSU. <laughs> you in Texas right now, so I'm just yeah, yeah, the other yeah, TSU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Tennessee State University. Um, how was as far as you know football versus your extracurricular activities? How was that going for you at the time of? Well, you know, I, I I was highly recruited, so I ended up breaking my ankle a game before the state championship. Oh. So when I broke my ankle, a lot of big colleges dropped off of me. I was originally supposed to commit to the University of Tennessee. So with me having a broke ankle, the University of Tennessee felt like that it was guys around the country just as good as me without a broke ankle. So my choices got kind of limited. So I wanted to be a hometown favorite, so I just stayed at home. I stayed, what, 10 minutes away from TSU, so I said I was going to go to Tennessee State University. Do you have any animosity towards them big, them big colleges that, that pulled away? No, I really understood it. You know what I mean? I understood okay. that, you know what I mean? It's a lot of people in the country competing for that same job, but I feel like I dropped the ball on that. I feel like really they where you go is what you do when you get there. So, you know, mm. I take I take accountability for that. That's real. Now, um, the story goes, um, and I'm going to let you kind of walk me through it as far as what even led up to it. Uh, you're in Ed Chill, um, uh You have a family friend uh, who technically is a CI. Right. who is an informant working with the feds or the police or whoever he's working right. with to, uh, I'm assuming, bring down gang activity. Right. And, um, you know, where they actually give him money to approach you to right. do, you know, to buy, you know, illegal drugs. Or do they, Is that exactly what they want you to do or they want you to do anything? Like, hey, can you do... Did he come to you and say, hey, just, I got this bank over here we want to hit on. Was it all about drugs? Was it anything else they wanted you to do? See, originally in the paperwork it said that he got pulled over and got caught with uh, some drugs. Mm -hmm. So they said they were trying to clean up the Edge Hill area. So at this time they're hearing about me being the leader of the Gangsta Disciples, so-called Gangsta Disciples. So they asked him, could he, basically, could he get close to me? And at this time, you know what I mean, I was dealing with ecstasy pills, so I guess he told me, yeah, I can get close to him. Because from the paperwork, the way it was explained, they had been trying to get close to me. Because they, they really felt offended that I was this high school football star and they feel like I was tricking anybody, but my extracurricular activities was I was a leader of the Gangsta Disciples as well. Um, so would you say you were the leader at the time? Or would you say? No, I don't say I was the leader. I say I, I had the leadership ability before I even joined the, yeah. joined the game, so, the fact, uh, the fact the that organization. You, 
the fact that you went into it with a game plan of like, man, I really want to change right. it from the inside. That's yeah, not, most definitely. Was there a leader of the game? I don't say it was a leader, you know, you know what I mean? Cause it was based out of Chicago. So I wouldn't say it was a leader in our neighborhood, but I say it was people that, that had leadership ability and then it was people that didn't. So one of the reasons why I made the move was because it was poor leadership. And I felt like if we didn't get a hold of certain things, my family was at risk, my nephews, my nieces. So I was going to get in it and take over and enforce it from the inside. I'm just curious, uh, this family friend, uh, how long have you known him? I know him like throughout my childhood. He was a little older than me. So yeah. if I'm 22 when this case pop off, he about 27, 28. Uh, you know, some people always say they could spot an informant, they could spot a CI. Right. Um, now that you look back on it and y'all's conversation, the way he was moving, was there anything that you felt would have hinted that he was working with the laws to get you or he was perfect with his pitch? No, no. Man, it was kind of hard to spot because, you know, when you're, in a, when you're in a neighborhood, everybody do a little bit of serving, do whatever they got to do to make ends meet. So his whole thing was he had a white boy that wanted some extra pills. You feel me? Yeah. So the first time, I didn't ever deal with him. But the tricky part about the whole situation was each time I served a confidential informant, he was wired up. So this guy sitting in the middle of the project with a wire on something that's unheard of at this time. You feel unheard me? of. You just see this in the movies, but really... When you hear your when you hear yourself on that wiretap, you look at life different. You see what I'm saying, bro? We was outside just in the jacks, just posted up talking. And bro, it's conversations all around us. Yeah. But you know what I mean? That was the conversation that took my life away. And they didn't get me after the first transaction. They let me do three transactions. So with indictments, the more transactions you do, the bigger your bond is, and the more case they got on you, basically. So um, uh, it's written that it was a a deal for 320 ex uh, ecstasy pills. Uh, was that in total, or was that all three, like, or was that at one transaction? No, that was in total. Okay, you know, was in total. First time he come get 20, then he come get 100, then he come get 200. Do you remember what he asked when he when he came back for that 200? Do you remember, like, hey, they they liking that shit, bro. Can I get two? Yeah, yeah, the whole plot was he had a white boy that's supposed to be getting it, but the whole time he taking each set of pills I give him to the detective. How much money did you say he spent? I'm assuming the cops gave him the money to spend it to have him have a wiretap. Man, it probably was a little bit over two thousand dollars. Man, it cost me seventeen. Just years. a little over two thousand fucking. Dollars. Then they paying him each transaction, so you know, with confidential informers in Tennessee, in a way, they can pay them to work basically. Yeah. So a little bit of nothing to destroy your life, basically. Where's that? Uh, where's that guy now? I'm just curious. Man, you know he. I, I hear he be around, but I haven't seen him personally. But you know. As soon as these drug transactions went down, when I was arrested, I figured out who it was I was dealing with. So he he immediately alerted the gang unit that if anything happened to him, I was I was behind it basically. So, the um, the world uh, technically with the world not saying the world, but people know who he is. His name is out there now. Yeah, yeah, Terrence knows. Most different. Terrence knows. He just moves around from what you know in the same city. I haven't seen him at all since I've been out. But before I got out, you know, he was he was walking around, you know what I mean, seeing some places, had some little problems some places. But he was in and out of jail, so he had a big criminal record. Yeah, I think he had 39. Yeah, uh, like 39 charges. Uh, charges himself. But the true part about it, bro, is he was a habitual driving offender. <laughs> and they let him drive they let him all move the around. transactions. The let him have up. hit a kid or something. Right. Bro, that's been a lawsuit on his goddamn right. ass. Right. Damn. All right, so... um. To, can you walk us through the day that um that it came down on you? Mind you, you're in Edge Hill, and um and I, I don't want to talk about the law yet. As far as you right. know, that's gonna come later. 
but the day that they, uh, you know, jig was up, boom, they yeah. were swinging on you. Um, can you walk us through that day? Yeah, May 16, 2008, I'll never forget it. I was um, up early that day, you know, with the guys in the neighborhood, kicking it, doing whatever we do. So it got about noon, and um, we, we was all sitting on the porch and stuff, you know what I mean? So I had a little partner that came around the, the drive basically and told us that the police was everywhere. So, you know, me thinking, I got my gun license, I got all these things going on, so I'm thinking, they ain't after me. So I walk off the porch, and when I walk off the porch, that's when gang unit, TBI, Metro Police Departments, they all bomb rushed me on that day. How was your, like, what, what were you doing? Were you, like, just a regular day for you? Like, man, I'm just about to... Yeah, it was a regular day, man. Actually, my little, my little cousin was graduating that night. So, you know, we was planning on going to the graduation. So, yeah, it was a normal day for me. Damn. All right, so this is 2008. Um, how long do you, uh, I'm assuming no, no bail, no bond? Well, the bond was like 350000 Because with the drug-free school zone, the bond is like enhanced because the seriousness of the offense. Yeah. As far as sitting in uh, county jail, Right. Until your court date. How long is your court date, if you don't mind me asking? Man, I, uh, when you got sealed indictments, the case is speeded up. So oh, by yeah, the time they job. arrested me, what they was doing is getting the case ready in front of the grand jury. So I was already at the grand jury when I got arrested. So within a year, I'd already went to trial twice. Quick. Within a year, trial twice. Uh, yeah, you had the mistrial. Mistrial. All right. That. So let's talk about it. Um, When you went to jail, how much money did you have on you when you went in? When I went in, like they got like two hundred and fifty dollars off me. Two hundred and fifty dollars. And that's what you had to your name? No, that's what not what I had to my name. That's why they got on my person. Okay. Um, did you have the ability to afford um uh an attorney? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I ended up getting one of the good attorneys in uh Joy Kimbrough. Okay, okay. So was he both both cases? No, no, she she was both cases for trial, yeah. Okay. Um would you say she first trial with it being a mistrial, hung jury? Uh, would you say that was a, it was a, for your case, for what was argued, it was a good trial? I say I got lucky. Mm. Because all it takes is one person on the jury to feel different from the rest of the jury, and that's a hung jury. And it yeah. was one black guy. Like they tell you after the trial who went for you and who went against you. And one black guy just felt that I was entrapped. That's what we went for entrapment. Which you was. Yeah. Technically. Well, <laughs> you was. Yeah. Um, when it comes to that first trial, and you know you're like, "Hey, it's a mis, it's a it's a mistrial." Do you have hope in the next one, or do you feel more worried? Most definitely, I had hope. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the whole city was behind me; they was ready for me to come home, and I thought that the case was it was over with. Yeah, you know I mean, you don't see them trial a drug charge two times, maybe a murder or something, not a drug charge, but they did it within the next ninety days. Mm. Did they not offer you a plea deal? No, nah, they said since I was so-called a leader on the GDs, they said 15 and 100 was a plea deal. Oh, wow. And, and let, me, let me tell people what allowed them to offer me so much because the drug-free school zone, since they're trying to so-called protect the kids, you, you, you go up a class. So a class B was 8 to 12. I could have got eight years at 30%. But since it was a drug-free school zone, you go up to 15 to 25 years. Can so you? now... The offer to a nonviolent drug offender of 15 years at 100, that ain't no offer to me. Not at all.
Yeah. So let's uh, let's stay right there. Um, when they first got you and they said, "Hey, um, you're in a," it, I guess the law in your city was passed about 20 years prior. Yeah, 95. 90, 1995, where they said, you know, the sentence may go up if you're in, in right. a thousand feet between a school or park or um, uh, church, church, library, yeah, library, somewhere where, cool, where, where kids be. Right. Technically, was considered a drug-free zone. Right. But the apartment's Edge Hill is right across the street like from an elementary or? Man, every project in America is across the street, street from, from a school, a, from a, a church. From elementary or church or elementary. a park. So yeah. it was kind of it's kind of set, set up, up yeah. all fucked yeah. up to fuck you up, really. Um, but but if, you, if you was in uh, the suburbs. Nah, it would be straight. Yeah, you would have just been, you know, where houses right. is miles, you know, so many, so far away from each other. You would have been like, all right, well, I'm in no area of, you know, right. whoop-de-whoop. But because you're in, like you said, the projects where it's, it's always near going to be a school, a park, a church, it's kind of set up to f- fuck up inner city kids. Yeah, so keep in mind, I ain't, seen, I ain't never seen nobody in my life get charged with this crime. I didn't even know what a drug-free school zone was. I'm learning as, I, as I'm so, talking to you. So what it was, Tennessee used it as a tag. It's tactful that either you're going to cooperate or you're going to take these 15 years and most dudes roll over. Damn. So I was just one of them guys that all they wanted to know was something about GD, bro. Yeah. It was to destroy my character. They told me, if you tell us something about GD and write it down and tell us something, you can go home. Yeah, send you back out there. <laughs> I just had to stand on business. Nah, definitely. Um, and this is, you're actually a first-time felon. You, first time I'm felon. sure police have pulled up on you before. And, right, right. Uh, a little small shit, but this is your first-time felon. Right. Um, did they play into that in the court? Like, man, you, you ain't never committed a felony before. That didn't, did you feel like that helped you at all when it came to the case itself? Now, I don't feel like the judge really cared. It was about destroying a life. So at the same time, they looking at I'm a first-time felon, but I'm this football player. There's a guy that could possibly do something for the neighbor. I feel like that would put the target on my back. I had gun license and stuff. So I had gun license, so they coming through the projects, and they seeing me with a 40 on my hip legal. So they don't like stuff like that. Like, nobody's never done it. So, you know, it's like I became a problem more of a let's get this guy out of the way. You said you had to stand on business. Right. Looking back at it, do you still feel that same way that you did all that time and not and you could have just said something like cuz now everybody's snitching and it ain't nothing right. like it is now. I'm big on accountability. I preach accountability. So you know, it was a lot of things that happened within those years. Like I lost my dad. And you know, I don't think nothing good about that, man. That was my best friend, but you know, I got to stand on business. The reason why I say that is I got to be accountable for my actions. You know, you know what I mean? I got to do my time and come home, you know. If 10 years was a long time, but I still got my name. I still got my morals. I still got my principles. So, you know. What do you say to those guys who um, you thought were probably more solid and then those, you know, I'm sure some people just took less of time and fuck character. They're going to just, hey, I'm going to just tell them what y'all want to know because I want to come home. What do, you, what do you feel about those individuals that do, that do like that? Well, I feel like, you know, you're going to have to live with it. Yeah. Because it's something that never leaves you, man. You feel what I'm saying? Like, when, when I stood up for my charge and did the time, you know, that was something big on my family, you know what I mean? But when they see my mom around or my sister, it was like, that's a real dude, you feel what I'm saying? Like, he took his time like a man, you know what I mean? And I could have came home, and I got a son now, and 20, 30 years from now, they'll say your daddy was a rat. Mm, that's, that's something I take pride in. Now, he going to know his daddy took accountability for his actions. That's real. That's the one thing where I seen, um, and I want to ask you about it, uh, you know, when they first sentenced you and um, 
they bring down the gavel. Did you understand the time that they were giving you? Do you understand? I mean, you're first. You ain't been in like real yeah. no prison or nothing like that, no jail or nothing no. like that. Did you understand when they tell you the time that they're about to give you? Yeah, I understood what was at stake, but you know, I was in disbelief. You know, everybody that go to prison feel like you know these lawyers put it out there like, man, you can appeal your case and come home. That's what, yeah. They, yeah, I mean, they tell you that you be home within a year. Well, you know, that year turned into two years, and that two years turned into five years, and then that five years turned into ten years. They've been there a decade. So then it's like, man, you you get to turn down on appeal. Like, well, what I got granted on, bro, there was a 3.2% chance that inmates in the United States of America get granted a federal hay, which is a 2254. See, I was a state criminal. I was a state uh, case. But the higher you go up, you go up to higher courts. That's why a federal judge eventually got a hold of my case. Wow. All right. Man. All right, let's go through that, man. As far as uh, Wednesday first sentence, you, where'd you go? Where were you housed? Uh, uh, when I first got sentenced, it was housed at, like, classification, like, in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. So that's kind of like kitty camp. You know, you're getting ready to go to prison. They're getting you ready. You're getting classified. And then once you get classified, you can go on down the interstate where it get kind of serious at. When you go in, who do you feel like, I want to say switches up on you first, like when it comes to your partners, if you had a girl in your life, your brother, sisters, mama, your daddy, was he behind you at the time of? Man, I'm going to be honest with you, man. It was humbling because I felt like I was that dude. So, you know, a lot of us feel like we that dude until you really lay on that bunk and then you just inmate such and such. And, you know, girls left, you know, dudes changed up, you know what I mean? Like, I can count my friends that really stuck around, like, on one hand, one or two hands. But this was a guy that had 80 or 90 guys around. You know, my dad said something was real to me, man, when I was going through this case. You know, my dad never spoke on GD, gang activity, another day. He was a real dude. When we was in visit one day, he was like, hey, Fridge, can I ask you something? I was like, yeah. He was like, man, how much your bond is? At this time, I got bond reduction. It's like 200000 now. So that's 20000 10%. He said, 20000 he said, why well, all them niggas that down? That was around you every day. Facts. He said, 20,000 ain't nothing but a brick at that time, you know what I mean? 20 niggas put up $1,000, you out, you home. And you out of there, and my whole life changed. But I had to sit there and, and take that. So, you know, it was humbling, but with me being the type of guy I am, I had to adjust on the move. So, you know, I just really couldn't look into who turned their back on me. I had to go with who was rolling with me. So, you know, I mean, I had some time to do. Dad had passed away. Mama was getting sick. So now it's time to stand up, and now I'm finna go to prison. So, you know, when you got that name in the street, you're in prison, gonna, they want to know why that name's so proper or big, and now you, gotta, now you gotta show for it. When your dad passed, did they allow you to go see him? Yeah, I was allowed to go to the funeral, man. And what's, what the blessing was, my, my judge said no. He let me go view the body. He said, but you can't go to the funeral. So I went back to the, my lawyer, like, man, ask him again. So just so happened, he wasn't there that day. So we go to another judge, he don't know who I am. He said, yeah, let him out for seven, eight hours. So I get out for seven, eight hours for my dad's funeral, right after they sentenced me to 17 years at 100, and I just turned myself back in, bro. You know, people was telling me, man, run, man, you got 17. Nah, man, I don't live, I don't live that kind of coward life. I just had to get it over with. Mm. Your, your father passed from what? Congestive heart failure. How long into the sentence was that? Like right when 11 you got- months in, bro. Yeah, man. 11 months in, he didn't even see me go to, he didn't even see the second, the second trial when I got found guilty it was in February, he died in April. No, oh, man. So you got to actually go, you got to go sit down with that. Man, that's how it hits you. Like when you're in the streets, you do it, it hits you all at once. So my dad died, I get 17 years, and I got to go to prison. 
All right, well, let's do it like this. Um, let's talk about the time in. Um, right. Like you just said, uh, you got a name. You know, you, you cool. your name ringing bells. Um, right. And I'm sure you go into people who was already on the streets before you that's already been in there. And some, Most definitely. You know, some people that's coming in. Um, how was it initially? You know, uh, people always talk about their first day out. Um, how was your first day in? Like, that um, that initial moment where you like, all right, we in here. I think the toughest thing is for everybody is like it. Dudes come home from prison and lie. Mm. Everybody was the man. Everybody stood up in the walls. Everybody did this. But in all actuality, they, you, you hear false tales. So really, when you go down that other state, you got to learn everything from day one. Mm. So it ain't too many people that you can call and be like, hey, man, I'm on my way, man. Take care of me. So when I went, I had the name, so I had to stand up on that. And I didn't have nobody who could train me on what's, what was going to go on. So I was in Nashville. Now I'm going to be around Memphis. Knoxville, Chattanooga. So it's like you been from Texas, you from Dallas, but now you finna be around Houston, San Antonio, all that. So guys don't really care what your name is. Now you gotta prove that all over again. Man. Right. Did you initially have to prove yourself uh, day one or day week one? Nah, it, 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 didn't, it didn't go like as quick as that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I was nice sized dudes and mind my own business, but you know, all the situations I got into wasn't never because I got into it with somebody. I had to roll with the guys when we get into it with the vice lords, bloods, crips, you know what I mean? So everybody's business is your business now. So you being a guy that mind your business don't even matter. But you're going in as a technically a top guy in, the, in GD. Top, yeah. So one of the top. You, do you link with guys who are GDs in other cities? That, guys you ain't never met. Right. you like, based on our affiliation, we locked in. Was it like that though? I mean, the main thing about them is they more structured in prison than they are on the streets. Uh, so the first thing they do, whether you got a name or not, they're gonna make sure you know what you're supposed to know. And you make sure you ain't got no dirt on your name, make sure you ain't no snitch or none of that. So, you know, you know I mean, I'm one of those guys that like, I'm gonna prove it day after day. You know, I could be like a guy with a name, but I ain't gonna leave my little soldiers out there to fend for themselves. So I, we call it a front line type of guy. You young at this time too. So yeah, you know, I'm like 22, young. 23. Yeah. But I was good with my hands too, bro. So you know that's what I was always known for. Yeah. So I was good with my hands. So the thing that I had to get used to was like the knife game. Uh, so the knife game brought, brought a difference because you can be good with your hands, and he got a blade on you. Might not. It's different. You take a man to stick somebody. Nah, for real. That's that's personal. Right. Yeah. Um. What's what's coming to some of the stuff that you probably had to endure in there, um, whether from CEOs. Any, uh, I don't know, I want to say if it's racism or right. any, uh, any, any real situation with another inmate that you had right. to kind of handle and had to deal with? Yeah, um, a lot of racism. You know, prisons are mostly in country towns. Yeah. So you deal with a lot of racism within prison and then dealing with, learning how to deal with what we call now so-called oppositions. So, you know, on the street, you know, if you get into it with somebody, it's kind of like us against them. But if we live together every day and we're in prison, we got to come to the round table. So a lot of things that your guys do, you're going to be held accountable for to sit down with a crip, vice lord, or whatever they are, and get this situation taken care of. Or even take care of your own kind, one of the two. So, you know, it's a lot of decision making. You know what I mean? Were you set up in a two-man cell? Uh, or was it uh, like, uh, how was the housing? It was a little pause when I first went to prison, but when I got to like the real prison, like down Northwest Correctional Facility, it was 128 people in each pod. So it's 64 cells, so it's two man cells. Two man cells. Right. How did that play out as far as, um, did you get to have, were you, 
did you go into someone else's cell uh, that was already been had been there for a while, or did they give you a cell and someone came into yours at a later time? No, when I went in, you know, somebody was already in that cell, you know, like in prison. Man, he might have somebody been in the same cell for 20 years. Yeah, facts. His house. He's looking at that like it's his house, for real. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He moves something around, he get out in his feelings and all that, so, you know. But they usually do pretty good about you getting the cell with who you want to. He's just getting used to living in a restroom with a man all day. You feel what I'm saying? So that's something you got to get used to. Is it something like where a lot of people do serve lifetime sentences or extended sentences, 50 right. years? Do you go into telling people how long you got, and do they look at that as little time as far as, oh, you just got, you're going to be out? I mean, I remember one time I was talking to this brother out of Memphis, and I was telling him, man, how I was ready to go home. And he was like, man, how many years you got? I was like, man, I got 15. At this time, I got my time changed from 17 through the appeal course. It was a legal sentence. They had to give me the mandatory minimum, which was 15. So now I got 15 years. I said, man, I got 15 years. He's like, oh, you straight. I said, what you mean, you straight? I said, 15 years, nigga. He said, man, I got 140. 140. So, that, so that taught me right then and now, that little time I had, I wasn't straight, but it ain't nothing to complain about. Yeah, right. I look at it as your age. Right. You were young. Oh, you he got exactly a lot of, you got, you got life to live when you get up. You're going to get back out. That's what he said, you're going to get back out. Yeah. What do you, how does one deal, or just not say deal with, but you got people in there that's doing 140 years. And right. What is the mentality of guys doing life sentences versus a guy like yourself that's knowing you're getting out? Like, do you see just more depression? In life sentences, or are they more happy just because this is their house and they they don't they don't got to be on pins and needles. They could be like whatever. Man, what was more surprising to me was the fact that uh, most of the life was acting like they had sense. So that's what they had to be. So if they do something to fuck it off, they got to deal with that. That's their house. So if we get locked down for six months, you know what I mean. Somebody might go home within them six months. They ain't going home. So you know they try to keep the. They really laid back. The, the wild ones was really the little young dudes with the, with the short time. They yeah, know they three, was going three, home. four years. And they were the ones we used to have to bust up a lot. God damn. Yep. How did you spend your time, like mostly? How, how, did you get, how did you get through it overall? Man, family, bro. You know what I mean? My mom, man, was holding me down. A couple partners she I had. visited was often? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, she could. Like my friends would bring her down there. Now, I ain't going to lie, I had a cell phone too, bro. So that, that cell phone was a babysitter to me. Tell, tell us, you know, for you know, since you out and about, I don't want to blow nobody's spot, but right. how does one get a cell phone in prison? I mean, they gonna come. I mean, one thing about guards in prison, man, they gonna they gonna make a living for themselves too. Hey. <laughs> then you got outside work crew. You got you got different ways to get them, but it's more expensive. So, you know, I had a phone for ten years straight. And ten years straight. Stressful, God. man. You gotta hide it every night. You gotta live like you're on the run. Do you have Wi-Fi? Wait, what was yeah, you got internet? Yeah, it's internet. You know what I mean, right about this time, iPhones came around, touchscreen phones. So when I first went, went in, it was flip phones. So we didn't have the internet. We didn't care. Do you have services? Like, yeah, you have services. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then the iPhone came out with apps and shit. Uh, it'll play yeah. little games and shit. Man, that, yeah. is, that, that could get you through life. kind of shit, man. Yeah. yeah. So um, when it, that's contraband, ain't eh? that's considered contraband? Yeah, 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 yeah. You get caught with that, you know. But right this time, y'all remember I got seventeen and a, I got fifteen and a hundred. So I get out the same day either way it go. That's fact. That's fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you I ain't looking at no parole or nothing. So you know, I'm trying to make it more better for me. Where'd you hide the phone, man? <laughs> nah, it's probably people in there still doing it. Man. <laughs> but most most of the time, bro, what I did on some real shit, you get you a selling. Most of the time, it'd be white boys that. On drugs or something, they don't give a fuck. They going home and they more lenient on the white boys. So you make him take the charge. 
So they come in, he hold it. That's his phone. So you know, I mean, they get creative with hiding spots now. Right. So if you get caught, would they put you in a hole or something like that? Yeah, you go to the hole, they take your visitation for six months, they'll take your uh, commissary, things like that, you know what I mean? We uh, interviewed E Solid uh, yesterday, and he right. was telling us about how the inmates would crack a hole in the wall to come through to try to rape you. <laughs> and I was like, damn, that's some wild shit. Yeah, he was in gold. Yeah, yeah. Is that, was that anything that happened in... Uh... Nah, I, I bet some stuff was going on, man, but you know, you gotta, you gotta think like, he could have been on Max, he could have been on Close, he could have been on, with these parts, they so open, that they, I mean, ain't nobody just climbing through no walls and trying to crack them. You know what y'all, I mean? Uh, y'all, uh, a day in prison is like what, um, uh, doors close at, what, Yeah, we like, we might, we might, door might pop at six, we come out for breath at 6 a.m. 6 a.m. We count throughout the day, probably twice, three times, then at eight or nine o'clock, we lock down for the rest of the night. All right, so you get Plus your shit off man. during the day, and then eight o'clock is more. Yeah. It's more conjugal. You could boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, we moving around. So, yeah, you know what I mean. In his situation, they probably couldn't move around. So I mean, yeah, facts. You know I, mean? I seen a, a video on the internet. I'm sure it's, served, it's somewhere where a guy in the pod to exercise. That nigga was running up the wall, man, got to the that. ceiling, <laughs> yeah. started doing pull ups, ran yeah, back, back, flipped down the stairs. I'm like, God damn it, yeah, man, yeah. Do niggas be doing shit like that? Just, to, just man, fuck. you see some strange. You see some real athletic dudes, but you know, like it's kind of like training for war, kind of. You know, it's one thing I did realize in prison. I never did think about man being getting tired could lose you your life. Nah. That's why they so conditioned in there. Because you know, if somebody got a knife on you, and you fighting them off, and you get tired. Guess what? If the guard ain't coming, guess what's gonna happen? You gonna get hurt. So a lot of them dudes be physical, fit, prepare for whatever go down. Um, do you be on 10 at every time? Like, be ready for, like, it's about to go down at every, any second? Yeah, you got to be on high alert, man, because now it's not your actions that may put you in that situation. Like, the last ride I got into, we got into it with the vice lords. And because one of, the, one of our guys wouldn't get out the way of the shower. God, so that's a, big, that's a big respect thing in the penitentiary. So we end up fighting with them. And I looked around, bro, and the, and the dudes that I was fighting with, bro, I didn't even know none of them. Yeah, we was the guys. We all was the folks. But it's like, he from Chattanooga. He from Knoxville. He from he from Memphis. So I'm like, man, I'm putting my life on the line for dudes I really don't even know like that. Damn. So really, when you in there, you really sacrificing everything for the for the guys. What was the largest scuffle that you were involved in? How many? That one. That one right there. You know, How many it, people it was? was probably there? like we probably had about 25 guys. They probably had about 18, probably 17, something like that. Yeah, it is. But you think you got 128 in there, so you know everybody else gonna get in their corners and watch y'all do y'all thing. You feel me? So I asked somebody. Uh, well, no, matter of fact, I asked he saw it yesterday what yeah. he missed about prison. He said I don't miss shit about prison. He got finished, right? Yeah. And then the reason I asked him that is because I have like a partner, and he keeps going back. And I look at it like, damn, if I got out that situation, there's no way in hell I go right. back. But then he goes back, and then he's fine in there, and he can laugh in there. He can, you know, hey, you know, ask for who, who's out there. Let me uh, check my Facebook for me right. or something like that. So, is there anything about prison that's what's up? Like, hell no, it's nothing. Well, a lot of dudes' problem is, man. You know, in prison, there ain't no responsibility. So, you know, when he get out here, the world move fast. So, a lot of guys is used to people like they gonna wake you up three times a day, it feeds you. You know where you're going to stay at. You ain't got to pay rent. You can call home, get a little money. It costs a little 
to to live in now. You feel what I'm saying? So he don't want no responsibility. That's when he feel like. And then you gotta realize a lot of dudes in prison, they they become the man of their little world. He could be somebody to iron clothes and though. He could be somebody that wash people's clothes. And he can feel like he the man, but if he did that out here on the street, they'll look at him like a bum. Man. You feel what I'm saying? Like the like like the chef could be that nigga in there. Yeah, yeah. If you work in the kitchen and all that, you gonna be that man. You, you gonna be that man. Oh, you sir, we got steaks today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a man for that. Man. So he want his moment of fame. I guess he want to keep reliving his moment of fame. Everybody. How can you feel homeless people don't uh, do crimes to go to prison if they, you know, like why be free and homeless when you can say, hey, I can at least eat every day. Man, bro, it could be eating the weather. Yeah. A lot of different things. When you deal with them county jail, that's what you're gonna see mostly homeless people. Yeah. A lot of homeless people don't make it to prison unless they just end up killing each yeah, other. Or like that. They mostly do county jail time. Nah, that's that's real. Right. Uh even in that ride situation, um the CEOs, what do they do to, to dispel that shit? Like is it Man, get out the way to back up come? Um, they don't yeah. mace, they don't... Uh, yeah, they, I mean, once they come reinforcement, they, they ready to handle the business. Damn. But if you got one guard in there, they're going to let y'all do y'all thing. Damn, so, so they the guard just watching. Yeah, they're going to think about I seen that happen one time in the female yeah. prison where the guard just sat there and watched for yeah, like, uh, you know, they two got minutes. Little, they got little fences around them to keep them safe. So when stuff really hit the fan, they'll lock themselves in the fence in the middle of the pod. And you out there fishing for your life, they're going to hit the code. Though once they hit the code, they coming. Have y'all ever thought about just taking that shit over? Like, hey, we're going to just take this prison over. Man, I'm going to tell you what I did, man. I, I got about that environment, bro. You know, they got a thing in there, prison that, that ain't really talked about called the annex. So if you stay out of trouble, you get to go to the annex. You get more privileges. You stay outside longer and all that. And it's more or less niggas that want to do that right there. There you go. You know what I mean? So everybody kind of got the same agenda, man. Let's, get, let's go home. You feel me? I seen some niggas in that cell. I seen a nigga sell one time. That nigga had a TV, Nintendo, he had a skillet, yeah, nigga had the wire, all. nigga. I mean, he had everything that you would want in his cell. Like, right. I'm like, how the fuck? Like, nigga really had a TV in his cell. Well, well, you got to realize in prison, some prisons, depending on the state, they got honor dorms. So honor dorms mean they've been having good behavior, so they'll bring them games in. I didn't ever get a, the game system because I wasn't in them kind of prisons, but they'll bring the game system. Man, you'd be surprised how game system can control some killers and robbers. I, man, I said this the other day to a nigga who did nine years. I said, if they just put Grand Theft Auto in all these prisons, let niggas play, the yeah, put a closed server and just let niggas play online right. with each other, I'm sure you'll dispel some, you know, they'll let off some of that aggression yeah. on the game. <laughs> like, yeah. just, I don't know. It's, you know, hey, that's, that's for a different day. Um, yeah. So let's do it like this. Um, you serve, you're serving this time. Right. I'm assuming you're like, you technically, again, if you weren't near a school zone, you would have probably did three years. Yeah. But you're getting this long-term situation. And um, at what point, I know you're trying to do the appeal and go right. through there, but at what point you're like, these appeals ain't going through. I got to figure out something else to get up out of here. Man, I ain't going to lie. Man, I had a lot of ups and downs, man. So when they turning me down on every level of appeal, in my mind, I'm kind of getting to the point, bro, I'm like, man, I'm going to have to do this 15 so now I'm looking at May 16, 2023. I got locked up May 16, 2008. That's 15 years day for a day. So, you know, I'm like, man, I might have to do this for real. So, you know, I mean, I'm looking at everything. So, you know, it, it's really mental. It's a mental warfare. But I kept going to that law library, bro. I, yeah, but I say, did you start looking to, you, uh, kept going to your cases? Kept yeah, I was reading. big on that. You know, the homeboys laugh at me. Folks laugh at me, man. Free, man. Ain't nobody going to change their case, man. They in the cell doing what they do. But at the same time, I'm going to the law library really fighting my case. You feel what I'm saying? 
and when you and you're in the law, law in the law library, what are you seeing that could possibly help your situation? Are you looking at other cases like this? Like you said, yeah. I'm the first one who ever had to actually hit yeah. with this right. with this zoning thing, and there's I've probably it, maybe 60, 60 others I believe that got that they that it came up on, but you're the first one where it hit. Man, it's 334 people locked up at this time on the drug-free school zone Damn. across the state. And the majority of them laying down, bro. So luckily, I had some partners out there that was really getting me appeal lawyers. Like, look, bro, them appeal lawyers started 10K. And then you've been locked up five, six years. Don't nobody believe in you coming home. Yeah. So they really getting together, getting these lawyers together, and I'm fighting. But I'm learning how to fight myself. And the Muslim brothers real big on that in prison. Law work, things like that. They're going to teach you things. And then they got a the thing called Westlaw. Well, you can go on there and type in any case like yours, and they'll show you results of everybody that went up and what you can fight it on, whether it's this, that, and other. A lot of people say the Muslims, when people join the Muslim, they do it for protection. But what you're saying is they got information. Yeah, they I mean, knowledge. like, it's a transformation to have. There's certain things Muslims ain't going to allow you to do. But if you look at the Muslims in prison, most of them are ex gang members. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, I mean, the Nation of Islam was big. Uh, different kind of Muslims, but you know, like as a black man, you know, we're gonna relate to them once we really seek knowledge and this, that, and other, and we get to go into services and listen to Farrakhan, and you end up being like, look, man, well, knowledge is power, you feel what I'm saying? And yeah. most of them worked in the law library where I was. What was probably the most fucked up shit you seen in prison? Just like, man, I gotta get out of this motherfucker. Uh, when I got sent to Riverbend Maximum Security, I wasn't on max, but you know, they got inmates that worked there. Yeah. And you know, my, where my room was, you know, I went from being a college student at TSU to watching a hearse roll out after they executed somebody. At this time, they had banned the lethal injection because they said it was cruel and unusual punishment. So we hadn't seen it for years. Then the lawmakers made it where they coming back in there and executing people. So I was there when they first started back. So, you know, just a point of, Cleaning up, making everything look so good just for somebody to die. And the prison on high alert, like, he got three days to live. He's getting his last meal today. He's doing this, he's doing that. And we on lockdown when he get executed. Just so happened, after he get executed or whatever happened, I see the hearse that he's in come out of the visitation gallery and leave. And that's when I really had, like, a moment like, damn, man, where the fuck am I at? Yeah. What are your yeah. thoughts on uh, the death penalty, if you don't mind me asking? I'm going to be honest, man. You know, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. So you do believe there are some crimes that deserve to sentence someone to death? Yeah, well, I feel like if a person do something to a kid or a baby and rape them and you take their kid life basically mentally, so they should take your life. Uh, there's a situation where we have a lot of mass shootings in, this, in the country. Yeah. Um, a lot of those guys are getting off with no death penalty cases. They're just, yeah. you know, life in prison. Right. You feel like that is unjust to go and take multiple lives and then you get to live your life in prison. But this is what they don't tell is you that about. that the punishment? This is what they don't tell you about the death penalty. These dudes ain't dying in the next six months. They live, they be on death row for 30 years, bro. They be on that for 24 years, 25 years. So that's going to kick the ass in the process. Yeah, they put them on death row, yeah. Go and do 25 years on death row and then you got to wait to die. That's two deaths. You see what I'm saying? So, you know. It is what it is for a lot of them, you feel what I'm saying? But if you're going to do shoot up schools and shit, they're going to be on protective custody anyway. They, open, they ain't putting them type of guys in population. We don't never see them type of guys. The Waffle House shooter in Nashville. Yeah. 
He, you know, he ain't going to no regular penitentiary on the pod with everybody else. They're going to make sure he's good. They're going to put him back in the back. He's going to be back there probably with a police officer done killed somebody. They're going to be straight. Did you know the person that they executed? Did you get to talk to her or anything? No, they don't let us get close to them at all. Okay. They're in a whole different pod. Uh, PC, is that you say like uh, like even the Wildfires do that? Like they good in PC? Like is that yeah. like is it better? Is it, it just better or something? It's protective because they can't nobody get to you. But the different thing what people don't say about it, like a lot of PC can be administration PC. So gang members use it to their advantage too. They just don't admit it. So let's say if I'm a beast coming to a compound, and I'm this such and such gang, I'm Dallas gang. It could be some Dallas gang members in there that don't want to see me and scared to see me because you're going to have more problems out of your own kind than anybody else. That's what they don't tell you. <laughs> They'll put a kite on me and say that we're going to kill them if y'all send them out here. So guess where I go? Administration PC. Administration is saying that they got your best interest at heart that you can't go out there. They say they're going to kill you. Then you have to sign some papers to say if they kill me, that's on me. Let me out there. So you're saying most uh, situations where it's going to be violence. It's going to be your own people. Uh, I mean, I, I say a lot of times it is. I mean, like. That's, that's how the, it is in the real world. That's the so, cross out. See, the cross <laughs> out is everybody want power, bro. So when they want that power, if you stand in the way of what's righteous or whatever it is, if he don't want righteousness, he's going to put you in a cross. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to make you the enemy. If he can get enough people against you, and can so-called prove you did something wrong, they're going to send you to PC. Man, that's real. Um, we had an interview with um, Kryptonite. He said that there was no God there. Do you believe that there's no God? God? Yeah. We're in prison? Yeah. No, I believe the opposite. I believe he there. Did you talk to him a lot while you were there? Yeah, most definitely. You know what I mean? I, I understand why he said it, but I, I'd have been at that point where he feel like it ain't no God. I feel like it was a black cloud over a lot of prison. Nothing good happened. It's just worse luck, this and another. But you're talking to a guy that got out early on appeal. So for me to sit there and say it ain't no God there, I'm, I'm tripping. You feel me? What happened on the outside world that you just really wish you was out? Um, you know, I'm going beyond like your father and stuff, but just happening in America, in the world, you like, damn, I'm in this motherfucker, and I would love to be out there, like Obama winning or some shit, you know what I'm saying? Um, I say, man, just quality time with family, bro. That's it's priceless, bro. Were you a family man, like, beforehand? Like, Huge, bro. Okay, yeah. You know, it's different when you see, like, a, a four-year-old, you see when you go in, then you get out, and they grown. Man, time is one thing you can't get back. I can watch football and basketball on TV. I, I was actually, I voted for Obama in jail. <laughs> I hadn't got found guilty yet, so I still had my voting yeah. rights. So I voted for Obama. That's real. Well, your, yeah. hey, your vote might have counted. You, you yeah, might have got us yeah, over. Yeah, you yeah, might have got us over. How often did your mama visit you? Man, I'm going to be real, man. Uh, the, the further I got away, my mama couldn't drive. So it's things people deal with like this. My mama couldn't drive. So I had to get my partners that wasn't felons to bring my mom, like, I, mean, I went from seeing my mama every day to like I might see her once every five or six months. It was killing me. You feel what I'm saying? But you had that to look forward to, or was there other family members as well that was coming up? Yeah, man. I, I really that's why I, you know what I mean. You get them phones like females kept me going too. 
You know, we get on the websites in jail, man, and we go hunting. You feel what I'm saying? You got to just get out of jail. What website is that? What, 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 what? Man, we had POF. That's called Plenty of Fish. Yeah. You got Facebook. You got Instagram. You'd be surprised, man. A, a large percentage of females out here on the street talk to somebody in jail. Yeah, no. Nah, there's a uh, there's a show I watch. Um, if y'all don't, if y'all ain't seen it, go watch it. It's called Love Doing Lockup. Uh, very good show. Very good show. Yeah. And um, yeah, nah. These women who Andy Small, they they looking oh, for because they know y'all are there. Y'all ain't going nowhere. Y'all in this conversation. Did you uh, get a situation where you found? A pen pal, a phone call pal, a love. Did you find love during lockup? Man, I'm, I'm going to be honest, man. I used to swap them out, bro. Like, cause, <laughs> nah, this is what I'm saying, though. Like, a girl only liable to ride with you like three to six months, man. Once they know you ain't coming home, ain't two moms just riding years. Yeah. I used to just swap them out to keep my time going. But, but my girl now, that I done had kids by since I've been out. I've been out newer before I went to prison, brother. She ended up getting back with me, man. Like, Three years before I came home, bro, we still oh, together. That's real. So that's you know what I mean? That, that phone call turned into a real situation. So we Is that probably one of the better things to look forward to? Um, like as far as just the, the relationship game, like playing on different, just. Man, I say it's a dangerous game too, though. Oh, damn. Because you, now listen though, bro, because them girls hold you accountable when you get out here. They don't take realistic situations. Like say a nigga been gone 10 years. How can you expect them not to look at no other gal if you get out here? But the women be on that. So you know, problems <laughs> problem, problems do occur out here. That's why you see so many women talk bad about dudes. He got out and left her. He did this. He did that. Well, that was just kind of expected, but you know, right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Men, women are di different thinkers. Right. Did you ever have a situation where a CEO was fucking with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't yeah. never get I ain't never get to take it all away, but you know, yeah, like different CEOs do it for different things. Let me ask you, was she married? No, nah, she wasn't married. Okay. No. Yeah, I realize, man, them young girls coming in prison straight out of high school, man. So yeah, um, they them country towns, though, like, for real, that's the job. That's the main source of jobs. Right. It'd be a, a prison in a small town where they live and nearby, and they, like you said, fresh out of high school, yeah, go, work at, you know, go work at the prison, and, right. hey, see some real men in that motherfucker and get to, get to talking, you know what right. I'm saying? Get, some, get to talking. Yeah. So I want to kind of lean towards, um, you know, the process of what got you out, you know what I'm saying? Right. How I know you were fighting it, but um, at what moment did you feel like you were getting close? Um, uh, what year did you feel like, man, I'm, because it seems like a lot of people were backing your story of wanting to help you get bigger. out. Like, like, the longer I stayed in there, bro, it got huge. Like, it got, like, I was in the newspapers, I was in, but it was a guy named Daniel Horitz. He's a appeal lawyer in Nashville, Tennessee. Bad guy. I'm telling you, he's he the best at what he do. And he ended up reading my case, bro. And I, at that time, bro, I was to the point, I told all my friends, bro, don't spend no more money on lawyers, bro. You know what I mean? That'll be wrong for y'all to do that. I'm either going to have to do the time or I ain't. So this dude reads my case and they end up liking my case. Does the case for free. Oh, wow. He's a beast. He was God sent to me, bro. He ended up working on my case and he had a plug with the media. And that's what got me all over the media. All this group called A Family Against Mandatory Minimums. They out of Washington, D.C. So... They ended up messing with me on my case. So, you know, it, around, if I got out 2018, around 2016, 17, started heating up. Sound like the inner workings of a movie right here, man. I don't right. know. It started heating up. It's, it was a situation where the prosecutor who prosecuted your case started feeling like, yeah. man, it shouldn't be, he shouldn't be in here this long. 
Man, we actually got the DA that wasn't a DA anymore to yeah. write a letter saying like basically he felt like I didn't deserve all that time. So, you know, that was a that was a big thing right there. Yeah. So the things was changing, bro. You feel what I'm saying? Where's your case able to be on CNN, uh, MSNBC? What did it hit national news? It, it may end up hitting Fox News. CNN. Oh, Fox News. Oh, yeah, shit. yeah, Fox News. <laughs> I mean, it actually hit it even when I got out. My release it did. Stuff. I, I was saw all it. in the newspapers and things like that. How was it to be in there and seeing that you're still in there, but you're getting traction like that? How did that feel? It was crazy, bro. I'm going to show you how quick the devil worked. Like, I might be laying in the bed. It's like 2017. I'm laying in the bed seeing myself on the news, seeing councilmen and all that kind of stuff work on my behalf and try to get me out, saying this is a good kid, this is a college kid. And then that's when, like, the inner dealings of prison started happening. Like a lot of guys that were so-called around me got to write letters to judges, doing this, doing that, trying to prevent me from getting out, though. Yeah, like what they saying, like you Misery uh, loves company. Oh, nah, yeah, they, oh, he, oh, he all in this shit. He's over this. He's still doing the same things he doing, this, that, and other. So, you yeah, know. That's a real thing. Niggas actually writing. Man, bro. Trying to keep like, you in that mother. This something that's never said. Don't get, don't get me wrong. In prison, they will handle snitches. But guess what? They snitching just as much in prison as they is out on the street. Damn. Why you think phones get caught up? Why you think people go to the hole? These dudes ain't just no, it ain't 128 solid dudes in a pod, bro. It's right within there. How do you know, though? Like, you hear word of mouth or is the CEOs telling you? No, CEOs will tell you. They drop kites on you, you know what I mean? They go to your spots where you hide and stuff at, you know what I mean? They drug test you, you they do all that. It's like, it's the inner workings of prison is something that got me mentally ready for the world. Damn. Because you got to, you got to stay on point, man. Someone, uh, a guy just said the other day, he's like, man, most of the people in prison keep it the most solid. You you, you kind of saying otherwise. I mean, you're going to find your solid ones, bro, but a lot of them dudes just in prison because they ain't had nobody to tell on. They committed <laughs> their crime by themselves. Nah, so everybody really. just ain't got, the only people that got somebody to tell on is people that hang around other people. Yeah. But there's some people out there committing crimes that don't know nobody else. Right. Just, so he's a foul-ass nigga. He's just going to end up in prison, and he's still going to do the same things he did on the outside. But I, well, guess what? Some of the realest dude I have met, well, someone was out of prison now. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but you can't be in a place that bad and everybody be solid. What does one do who doesn't have family to spend his time? You have family to kind of keep right. things going. What would you say if someone didn't have family? What? Survive off the land, bro. You got to survive off the land, man. You know what I mean? You got to make people in there your family. People you meet. What's the most evil thing you've seen somebody do in prison? I say the most evil thing I've seen somebody do in prison is the cross out shit. We call it cross out. Like, you know, a dude might be a stand up guy with an organization or a gang, and he may not be liked by a certain individual, and they put somebody cross on him. Like, say he fuck with punks. Say, because there's always cliques within cliques. We can be a certain gang, organization, or whatever, but all of us don't mess with each other. We just live by the same laws and policies. So if somebody don't like me and he got more juice than I got and getting the right ears, man, I see people get crossed out for nothing, bro. People that been frontline soldiers. Damn. So, you know, that's about the most evil shit I can see. You know what I mean? So what happens when someone crosses somebody out? Oh, they're going to gonna send them people at you for it's like jumping you, stabbing you. You finna get off the compound. That's the most embarrassing thing that can happen to you in prison, getting sent to the back, PC. Like having to pack up and go on your way. And they always, I see movies, 
And I hear stories where they say, uh, something happened to you, man. Uh, shut the fuck up. When you go to the infirmary, just yep. keep it solid, get back out there. But they gonna know if you told who did it and whatnot. Is that a real thing? Yeah, a lot of do a lot of people do keep it solid though. Like, you know, I mean, because they ain't nowhere to run. Like, it ain't like you can I can tell on you that I can go to this house over here and hide. They know where you at regardless. Cell phones made prison way more dangerous. Damn. So there's a there's a <laughs> There's a network within the prison now as far as yeah, you can just... If we if we in prison, we can be 300 miles away from each other. I, my brother might be in that prison. Hey, man, such and such, foul, man, y'all smash. It ain't nothing but a phone call. Man, that's real. So um, you said it started picking up steam in 2016, 2017. Um, uh, was it a certain phone call that was made that kind of told you, hey, you're going to be coming out? Or was it them just coming to your door saying, hey, uh, the pills... My like walk us through like kind of my lawyer came to see me October 30th, 30th 2018. I've been turned down so much, bro. He like, look, man, you going home tomorrow. Well, I already knew the federal judge had overturned my case, but the district attorney had the right to retrial my case and give me a plea deal. And this sit time, there doing that. At this time, bro, I'm in denial. I'm like, man, y'all ain't gonna let me go. I'm tired of going to court. Just stop. Just stop, bro. It's cool. You know what I mean? He like, nah, man, you got court tomorrow, which was Halloween. When I got to court, man, I eventually got that news that they wasn't gonna fight the case no more and I was free to go. Spooky. <laughs> On Halloween. <laughs> On Halloween. Right. How was that feeling? Cause I know you said you walked in like you weren't expecting right. to be released. Even though they said it, I'm sure you had like an ounce of hope. Like, ah, maybe, maybe he won't fuck I, I'm gonna be honest, man. Nashville stood up for me like Philly stood up for me, man. Like, it was love, bro, from the news channels to the neighborhoods. I ain't paid for nothing for, for months. Like, it was love, man. Then I was right back out there with my inner circle. Yeah. When they said you were free to go, how long did it take for them to release you? Man, probably a couple of hours for the paperwork to clip. When I got out, bro, it was news cameras everywhere. Like, some of the stuff I was sending you, when I got out, bro, it was news cameras everywhere. Like, they knew, they knew you was getting out. They, everybody knew you was getting out. It was probably been a secret, man. My, fam, my, 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 my lawyer went on Facebook and tagged. <laughs> Said I was coming home, man. You gotta get a shine on. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Joy Kimbrough, man. Yeah. What was the first thing that you ate? Man, I want to say some Slimming Huskies, man. That's my, that's a little piece of spot in Nashville, man. That one of my friends on. And he was vouching for you, or he was vouching for you. Yeah, trying to give you, he was gonna give you a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if y'all let him out, we gonna give him a job. Right. Did he give you a job? Yeah, he was waiting for me. Just but you didn't want to work. You didn't feel like working at the piece of spot. <laughs> I got out the hallway. Right, there. right, right. God, do you? Did they give you the same clothes you came in with? Now, nah, I, I can't even remember. I got locked up in. They let you bring new clothes up there. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Right, that's what's up. That's what's up. Right. Um, how does one adjust to getting out? Because they feel like you know, ten years, you have technically become institutionalized. Right. From the time you wake up, time you sleep, noises you hear, the way you eat your food, maybe bent over your, t right. you know. How long did it take you to break them habits, and who was on your ass about breaking them habits? Man, it, it was a big adjustment, bro. You feel what I'm saying? Even getting on the interstate, going home, like riding in a car, all that. So, you know, my family's support system was major, bro. So it, it took a while, bro. It was hard to sleep sometimes. You know, it was, I think I was in, I used to wait around for a lot. Like, I didn't notice it when I first got out, but I wouldn't just go somewhere. If I was hungry, I wouldn't go somewhere and get some to eat. Because I was so used to being like, I can't move around, I can't do this and that. But it was things I didn't really notice I was doing that I really was doing. Like one time we was all at the house when I first got out, bro, I charged up my phone 
And when I got done with the charge, I rolled it up. Yeah. I'm about to put it Let up. Let me hide it. They like, what is you doing? <laughs> Let man? me put it under my bed. Stop the charge in your bed. <laughs> so, you know, it be them little things like that that you used to doing that you won't catch, but somebody else will. So, yeah, it's a big adjustment, bro. Yeah, what was one of the biggest things to adjust to? Um, or whether the, some new apps, new internet, or the females, the niggas? Like, what was the biggest thing to adjust to out here? Man, the biggest thing to adjust to would maybe be the crowds. Oh, I feel you. The crowds. Oh. Like, you know, everybody want to take you to the club. They want to take you out on town. But really, I ain't used to being around them type of crowds. Damn. So, you know, the biggest thing was the crowds, man. And like in Tennessee, it's open carry. Yeah. So you got people walking around with them pistols on them everywhere. So, you know, I'm looking like, man, what the? I yeah. can't be around these. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? That was the biggest thing, the crowds and the. And seeing how people move, man. You know, like when I went to jail, bro, Webby had Savage Life out. Yeah, damn. When I <laughs> got out of jail, 2018, <laughs> Lil Baby was out. Lil Baby, yeah. So that's, that's a big That's, that's a, a big, big difference crowd. in the, even yeah. the music scene. Of, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, You came out, you had a, you had a relationship as you came out. Right. Uh, You got, uh, how many kids you got now? I got three kids now. Three kids, uh, what are the ages? Man, I got one by the turn two this month. One by the turn four in October, and I got a seven month old. Well, you got to work, man. I had a baby every year. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got to work. Was that intentional? You like, man, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna fuck it up. Just... Man, I ain't gonna lie. It was planned though, bro. That one thing I feared in jail, man. It's like if I would have died, and I would have had nothing to leave here. So you know, yeah. like when I was in jail, I ain't have no kids. Yeah. So I'm like, if I die right now, I ain't leaving nothing here on earth. So when I got out, I made it my business to be a dad. You know what I mean? So since then, man, I got three. I wasn't expecting three, bro, but I was sure expecting some I see, kids. No, that's a blessing. Trust me. It's nah, a blessing. It's a blessing having back-to-back-to-back to back to back at the age you are now. Yeah. I, I promise you. Right. You did it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You did it Same right. Same girl, too, man. Yeah, you did it You did it right, goddammit. Yeah. How, how how was your mama feeling when you got out? How was how static was she? I know, man, man. I think you had mentioned she was um she was sick, or she man, is sick. Bro, and, man, love healed her, bro. Like, she's still fighting, bro, but you yeah. know. They gave us six months to live probably in like 2011, bro, and it's 2023. Man, God is good. So, you know, it one of those success stories. Like, we made the front page, man, me and my mama, man, we were hugging. Yeah, man. Man, like, I was somebody, bro, like, bro, I embarrassed that woman, bro. Like, I did all them good things in life, like football. I know she was bragging on you. that and other. And then for her to have to come in jail, get searched, Lift a bra up all because I want to bullshit. You see what I'm saying? So I feel like a sucker. So this, now to this day, I'm repaying on that. You feel what I'm saying? Like, yeah. by showing I love her, man. You feel me? Nah, that's love. That's love. Um, was any of your partners who was in around you before right. still around as you got out? Some of the guys that used to see, like, the ones that kind of stopped yeah. calling, stopped talking. Did you see those guys around? Not the ones that was close by you. The ones that you saw them when you went in. You didn't hear from them again. And if you get out, you know, you hey, what's up, free? Oh, back yeah. out. Yeah, it's plenty of them, man. You, it's plenty of them, man. But I had so many solid partners like the ones here now, bro. Yeah. You know, um, it made me look over them. I'm going to tell you what's crazy about dudes, bro. I went to jail for a drug-free school zone charge, right? Yeah. And when I got out, it was dudes in my neighborhood selling dope in them same spots that just gave me 15 years. Damn. So brothers be out there blind for real though. You see what I'm saying? They don't believe that shit shit really hit them. So you know what I mean? It's a lot of dudes, bro. I just don't take it personal, bro. Whoever mattered is still there, bro. I got some guys, bro, that that stood by me the whole time, bro. 
Yeah, that's real. Man, that's how you can't buy that kind of friendship. Bro. Nah, for real. Um, let's talk about that that law itself. Uh, now that you're out, you appealed it, uh, overturned yeah. by the federal judge. Right. Um, what are you doing, or what is happening now to change the laws, or is the law change, the the, the drug free school law, or just right. what what's the status now of that situation? Man, I have changed the drug free schools on law. I, I have changed the same law that got me incarcerated. You so helped what change. I did. When I got out, I took it personal, man. I had a partner locked up by the name of State that uh, his mama, man, I mean, came to me daily, man. I want my son about it up. And I ain't like the way they was treating people, like nonviolent offenders getting 100%. So I got with a group out of Washington, D.C. called Family, Families Against Mandatory Minimums. Yeah. And we pushed the line in the state of Tennessee and got me to talk in front of legislators and lawmakers and to change this law and why this law was wrong. So that now, when I, when I did the drug transaction, it was 10 o'clock at night, 6 o'clock at night. Wasn't no kids, wasn't no kids present. So that was my argument. How are you holding people, pres uh, uh, how are you holding people accountable when ain't no kids outside at 10 o'clock at night? The school Thanks. closed. Thanks. So you got brothers got 40 years for the summertime when the school ain't even open. Ain't even open. So y'all got to adjust that. And I said that and they end up changing that law. So now the school got to be open. And it ain't 1,000 feet no more. It's 500 feet. And the judge got the jurisdiction enough to be like, we don't want to charge this individual with a drug-free school zone. Oh, man. Uh, so, you know what I mean, they lit out. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. So, that. Change them laws, man. So when that law got changed, 334 people's sentences were adjusted. A lot of them got out of jail. A lot of them got parole dates now. And, like... And they show me love behind that. And you brought some, you brought some home with you, man. God damn yeah. it, that's what makes yeah, this story sure. even. That's what made this story even more crazy. Um, now you got out immediately. You said, uh, you know, uh, you put the past behind you, right? And you start looking at the children. Most you start looking at uh, the kids and helping them out and speaking to them and getting them right. Um, can you tell us about that? Some of the uh, things you've been doing as far as for the kids. Right. I got a nonprofit organization called PIC. Stands for Positive Inner City Kids. So it's really equipping the kids in the neighborhoods, like the projects and stuff, with the tools to be successful. So whether it's mentoring, teaching trades, football programs, basketball programs, uh, community events, I just came home and just really took over my city with that. So I made the kids a priority because, bro, one thing I learned is, bro, I got love for brothers that's in gangs. I don't judge nobody, bro, but I ain't finna babysit grown men no more. You know, I made decisions for myself, so I feel like, you know what I mean, it's easier to, to change the children and upbringing good kids than it is to change grown men. You feel what I'm saying? That's real. So, you know, I, I made the kids my priority, bro. That's real. Uh, I know uh, you got help with getting um, uh, to your through your foundation uh, right. $10,000 from uh, right. Uh, one of the uh, Tennessee Titans. Uh, uh, it was actually was a Pittsburgh Steelers player. Pittsburgh Steelers. They, my they had some things at the time called uh, the social injustice uh, thing with the NFL, where they was giving out five thousand dollars to anybody that had social injustice and all that kind of stuff. So my guy Ramon Foster reached out to me and was like, "Look, man, we want to donate ten thousand dollars to your organization." So when I got out, he did what he did. They gave me uh, Pittsburgh Steelers gave me five thousand. He gave me five thousand. Man, we use that 10000 to change a lot of kids' life in the neighborhood. It don't take a lot to change their life, man, to change their way of thinking. Facts. Yeah. Man, you are, uh, you are really part of American history um, as far as, you know, getting laws changed and the way we look at laws. Um, there's a movie I watched called uh, 
Murder in the First with uh, Kevin Bacon. Mm -hmm. If you ain't never seen it, go watch it. It's about a guy who um, stole some bread for his sister like at 18 right. and got sent to Alcatraz right. uh, for like 40 years for stealing a piece of bread to feed his sister. And um, it makes us look at American laws as far as, you know, they put these laws from back in, you know, the 1800s, early right. 1900s, and they think the society doesn't change as, as things change. Um, let me know your thoughts about the American justice system as far as the way these laws are set up from federal to state to county. Right. Uh, let me know your thoughts on it, man. I, I think it's a rigged system. You know, I mean, our people are going through a lot of uh, injustice in this country. And, you know, a lot of times we overlook it until we in that position. And I feel like I was in a position to really see something. I feel like God put, me, put that thought in my head, like, man, look, man, you got to really change some things because there's people going through things that don't deserve it. Look, bro, I was supposed to go to prison for that charge. Yeah. When I say that, it's like, okay, if the law say I'm supposed to go, okay, go. But it's the it's it's the it, it's the the dogging out that I don't like. Yeah. Like I could have went to jail, like did three years, like you say. I could have went to prison for three years and got out. Yeah. But just the incessant, like the the laws is just made for like to be hard on you, man, and break your spirits. It's modern day slavery, like for real. Right. Um, so, you know, when we go to prison, we work for 17 cents an hour, man. Yeah, they sentence you to hard labor. Yeah, so to hard labor, basically, you know what I mean? So, you know, man, I feel like the the justice system is broken throughout the country. But I feel like it's also a major, a major strain or income for those who are in higher positions. Yeah, I'm to say, do you feel like you're more of an asset to yeah, the, the government to say, oh, we get 17 years of work out of this man. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, as you're now just a number. Do you feel like they take the key and forget you until yeah. you, you know, like, hey. You got to think about how many people out here on parole and probation. Yeah. So they still getting the money out of people. You know, I got partners that's on probation for 30 years right now. Oh, damn. Yeah. For drug charges. Damn. And guess what they got to pay every month? Fees. Yeah. So it become a money thing. You feel what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah, I feel like it's broken all the way down from the top to the bottom. Federal. So the thing we have social media, bro. No. I wish we know certain things because social media done came around. Right. So these folks ate off this shit way before social media came around. So now we might see an injustice somewhere and be like, oh man, much respect to Kim Kardashian, people like them. You feel what I'm saying? LeBron James speaking out. Yeah. It's really putting highlight on cases like, oh, this is not right. What are your thoughts on the guys who were still locked up during COVID? Um, when COVID hit, and you, right. mind you, you had just did 10 years and you're out right. now. Right. And then COVID hit. What is your thoughts about the guys in prison dealing with this pandemic as the world was going oh, on? It was rough. It was rough. It was rough out here. So, you know, I can only imagine. And now you can't you around somebody. Like, you can't get away from that. <laughs> so I feel like that was rough times. I mean, ain't no telling. It's probably things that we'll never know about what happened in prison during COVID. Yeah, bodies was dropping and they yeah. weren't talking about it. No, bodies was dropping. Like, like, I was talking to people in prison. Like, and then they had shorter staff every day. Like, like I mean, guards saying they can't come in. So if you short of staff, you can't come out the cell. Yeah. So we locked down 24 hours a day because of COVID. Then if we do get sick, they can't get no sea moss in there. They can't get no yeah, ain't no yeah. beer and yeah. all that. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's a tough situation. Was there ever a situation where, like, uh, the heat, the, like, the, the AC stopped working that much or the heat? You know, it's, oh, yeah. They used to cut the air on us, bro, in the, in the wintertime. Oh, damn. And the reason why they say that is if you cold, you can't get up and start no bullshit. And then you think about it, like when people hot, what happens? You get irritated and yeah. they go down. I didn't cut the AC on on us in the wintertime. We all had to be in the bed with our Shiver. cover over. So I done went through some some shit, you know what I mean, that I probably didn't tell my people about. 
Damn, man. Damn, man. I'm glad you out, man. Again, uh, you know, your, your story in itself um, is a story of redemption, man. It's, it technically should never happen. Uh, right. Uh, like you said, you're accountable for your actions. You don't. You didn't mind. I, I'm, I'll go to jail. Right. But the excessive time that they gave you on a non a non-violent first offense. Right. Felon, man, is uh, 17 years for a judge to look at you and say that. Have you got a chance to look back at this judge since then? Yeah, I did. Man. You know, he, he asked, like, how I'm doing. How you doing? How Fred's doing. And before he let me out, he's like, man, I ain't got nothing against you. I just want you to get out there and do the right thing. He's like, man, when they say God, uh, Prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies, man. It's for real, bro. You feel what I'm saying? So that same judge had to look me in the eye and be like, you know what I mean? Do you feel like he felt like it was justified the time he gave you? He was just going by the book? Or do you feel like he wanted to give you that time? At first, I feel like he wanted to. So since he, since he made it seem like it was about by the book, I wouldn't have destroyed the book. There you go. So now you can't do that no more. There you go. So it's like they threw me to the lines, man. But I can't. They threw me to the wood, but I came out leading the pack. You feel what I'm saying? So you know, man. it was just big on me, bro. Not to let nobody else go through what I went through. So you know what I mean? Man, that's a blessing, man. Uh, big fridge, man. Uh, Calvin, I, I really thank you for uh, coming and telling this testimony, man. Again, you drove all the way from your home state. Uh, right. You're a hero of your home state, in a sense, man. To be able to change up and get some other guys' time off based on what you went through. Right. And uh, thank you for going to that law library. Thank man, you for staying on it. Shit. I know you was kind of giving up, like, man, I just do the 15, but I'm glad you got out early because if you did the whole 15, this probably wouldn't hit the same. No, no, um, it wouldn't, man. The same, you have the same story, but it wouldn't hit the same. You had to get out early to make that's, this change happen, man. That's, that's why my book called, man, both sides of the story, bro. Yeah, that's you what I'm going to tell you, man. I want you to go and tell them, man, as far as your book, tell them what you got going on. Right. Tell them what uh, you could re-emphasize uh, the nonprofit. Tell them everything you have going on right now and kind of how the world Right now, man, I got a book that'll be dropping soon, man, uh, called Both Sides of the Stories, a book about my life from the sports to the street organization to the to changing laws, you know what I mean, to my kids now, you know what I mean? Right now, me and my brother G Child, the boss, we're working on a documentary about our lives where we, uh, where we uh, the facts of life, man, it's just like, Two stories of two kids from Nashville, Tennessee. One went to prison and one got killed. Two alleged gang members. So we trying to change it and we doing it like from an organization standpoint of showing kids like, man, both of these routes end bad. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And you might not be as fortunate as the next person to make it through it. So, and then I got my own documentary coming out about my life. You know what I mean? Um, That's going to be big. My website for my organization is positiveinnercitykids.org. They can go on there and catch that, you know, and just doing big things in my city, man. You know what I mean? And thanks to Charleston White for what he done, bro. You yeah, I want to touch on that before we get out of here as far as um, uh, we got your story from a phone call from Charleston White saying, yeah. hey, he tossed the kids and uh, y'all linked up and he said, right. man, y'all got to get this story. Um, can right. you speak on how did, how did y'all link up? How, how, how'd you link up with Charleston? Man, it was a guy uh, by the name of Lil Melvin, man. You know what I mean? Him and a guy, Mug brought him down there to Nashville, Tennessee for a comedy show. You feel what I'm saying? So yeah. on the comedy show, uh, he was doing meets and greets. So he's like, man, you need to man, come see this guy, man. Y'all do the same thing in the community. And, you know, I was already following Charleston, man. I, I was, I was on his page, man. My guy Crump and uh, 
K-Roy and Roy, man, we used to watch them all the time. So yeah. it was like, we was big fans of them. So I told my partner Crump, like, man, we need to get Charles White down here one day. He like, man, how you think the community gonna look at you, man, if you get Charles White down here? I said, they ain't gonna do shit. <laughs> You know what I mean, they got people in the same neighborhood doing the same thing, and plus that man, man playing a character. So he had a little after party that he showed up to that I was supposed to go meet him there. But I ain't get to get there in time. He left. So the next morning, man, LaMelvin and them had took him to uh, breakfast. And when he took him to breakfast, I ended up meeting him there. So I talked to Charlton, man, and we talked for a minute. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And he was like, man, he got on the phone and called y'all immediately. Immediately. Dude didn't know me for an hour and put me in a position to change my life, bro. You man. feel what I'm saying? And hear my story and stuff like that. So, you know, a guy named Savage was right there with us, man. And, you know I mean, he, he took the extra mile to come back down here and holler at Charlton again. And me and Charlton got to linking up and talking, man, networking, man. I got love for that brother, man. He's a good brother, man. You know what I mean? That's real. Now his message, uh, however crazy it gets lost with his antics, uh, has always oh, been yeah. about the kids. Right. Uh, he still takes talking to the kids, and you on the same thing, man. As far as with your nah, nonprofit and what real. you're doing for us, so yeah. I appreciate both of y'all for you know what y'all do behind the scenes, what right. the cameras don't show, and uh, hopefully we can get more eyes on it right. to make that the cool thing to do. No, nah, no, nah, for real, yeah. Um, uh, thank you for dropping that. Uh, are you on uh, any social media sites? Uh, POF um, still? <laughs> <laughs> I can, no, man. I'm how can they get at you? POF, man. I'm in the Hall of Fame, man. Now I'm on uh, Instagram on the One Team Fridge, man, the number one Team Fridge. And on Facebook, I'm on the Calvin Fridge brand. There you go, if man. If anybody um, want to reach out to me, that's where I'm at. Any shout-outs you want to give, man? Your family, you got the guys here, um, man. Any your man, mama. my guys, man, man. Me and G Child, the boss and Crump here, man. You feel what I'm saying? We took that flight down here to make it happen, man. Shout-out to my guy, man. Elroy the boy, man. I mean, really kept it real with me when I got home, man. Lucky. Uh, Cardo, man. Rope. Man, I can name people all day long, man. You feel what I'm saying? They're my guys, man. My mama, most definitely, man. My family, Shano. Everybody, man. I, I miss with so many people, man. I mean, but most of all, bro, I can't name them all. I get shout out to God, bro, because one for them, I wouldn't be here, man. So, nah, much love, you know, man. Shout out to my cousin Terry, man. He passed away. And shout out Terry, man. Shout out your pops, man. Um, yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, to Nashville for for holding you up, oh, man. Oh yeah, for sure, Cashville. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Cashville. You know, we had a young buck on here. I don't know if you saw the interview we had with him, but if you haven't watched it, go watch it. I'm gonna go watch uh, it. Yeah. Uh, young buck is, is is he is he like the, the city like? Holds him up, or the city be like, ah, young boy, he kind of left us. Well, young boy, man, he's one of the most talented guys that ever came through. I said, probably the most talented. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? His talent is something you can't deny. You feel what I'm saying? So he'll be a legend. Yeah, you know I mean, for the work that he don't put in, for sure. There you go, man. Well, you already know what it is, man. We got him in the building, man. Calvin, man. Uh, the fridge, man. Big fridge, not yeah. the little one, man. We thank you for coming through, man. You on the couch, man. You didn't went through it. You didn't stood yeah, tall. Appreciate a it, lot man. of a lot of people would have folded and took that plea. You did the time, man, and I wish there was more like you as far as, you know, or shit, just standing on what you are and what a good character is. If you say I'm a snitch, then be that. Let me not. Let me know not to mess with you. Right. Say that up front. So, like, I'm going to tell on you so we can know, okay, I ain't going to do business. But, yeah, again, right. you stood on it, man, no matter how people look at it. Uh, we salute that shit, man, and they got it. we got to say it, man. Big Fridge, you are a real-life three-star, man. We salute it. Let's go. Fridge. Okay.